0: Yeah, so you guys submitted questions, right? Okay, for this to work, you need to respond. Because the lights are on and I can see your faces. Whenever you're sitting there like this, I know you're not listening. All right? See, some of you are smiling now. But I I am going to be asking you questions. I'm not going to be asking you questions like testing you to be like, oh, are they listening? Because I do that with little kids. Little kids, I go. Noah built the ark, and the animals went in two by two. How many animals went in the ark? Two by two. Yeah, I'm not going to do that with you guys because I hopefully you're smarter than that. But what I am gonna I'm gonna ask you questions so I can help help give you the right answer because if I, I might be talking about something and you might be having another question. So I will. If you have like a really a real question, raise your hand and I will do my best to answer it. I can't promise you that I know all the answers. I do have access to the internet up here, so I might be able to answer it. So yeah, so I'm gonna be, there's four questions we're gonna answer. They they are, uh, these are questions that you guys submitted, I think. The first, um, first question is dealing with stress. What's the best way to deal with stress? Then they are keep the faith. What can I do to keep the faith through high school? And how to be a Christian outside church walls. Sometimes I get excited about following Jesus. But when I get to school, all that excitement disappears. It's like getting pulled into a totally separate world. How can I follow Jesus at school? And then the last question we're going to address is when God doesn't seem to answer. What does it mean when you're not hearing the voice of the Lord, even though you're in prayer? So those are the four questions we're going to, I'm going to attempt to tackle. Um, so yeah, before we do that, we're going to pray. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord. And I pray that anything I say isn't going to be my opinion, Lord. Um, and don't let it be me talking up here, Lord, but I believe that you definitely have the right answers for these questions, Lord. And I pray that you will, um, uh, just speak right now, Lord, and bless this time that we're about to have. And in your holy and precious name, amen. Okay. So, what's the best way to deal with stress? Raise your hand if you do not have any issues with stress ever. Liar. You lie. Um, I think everyone deals with stress. Some of us more than others. Some of us, it's a big issue in our lives. We, we might say that we have anxiety. Or we are a worry wart. Or... We are just stressed out all the time. Oh, I forgot to look it up. Uh, There's even songs about it. There's a 21 Pilot song that I was thinking of earlier. Uh, I was going to read you the lyrics, but I decided not to. So what's the best way to deal with stress? So first off, let's understand what stress is. If we're going to learn how to deal with it, we must learn what it is we are dealing with. Um, So we're going to learn what stress is, what causes it, What happens to your body in stressful situations? Like, what's physically happening to your body? Like, why am I all of a sudden sweating? Why are my palms shaking? Why are my knees weak? What's the deal with mom's spaghetti? Um, And then, is stress ever okay? Like, is there ever a time when stress is appropriate? So, first off, stress. I don't really need to explain what stress is, but stress is usually you getting excited about something. And If you, want to, if you don't have a good idea of what stress is, which is kind of hard to think about because like we all deal with it, so we should all understand what stress is, uh, but this might help broaden your perspective of what stress is. When you are dealing with stress, you will have stomach ache, muscle tension, headaches, rapid breathing, fast heartbreat, sweating, shakiness, dizziness, frequent urination, change in appetite, trouble sleeping, diarrhea, and fatigue. So if you are suffering from multiple combinations of those symptoms, you might be stressed out. And that's just what some random health website told me is the deal with stress. Because I wanted to give you guys an actual thing. Um, Some things that you might be feeling that might be happening to your brain when you're dealing with stress is feeling of impending doom. Like, the sky is falling, and there's black helicopters following me wherever I go, and the government's poisoning my water. Um, Panic or nervousness, especially in social settings. So, like, sometimes they call this, like, social anxiety or being socially awkward, um, or just shy. Like, that's what we called it when I was a kid. like, oh, you're just shy. You're not socially awkward. You don't have social anxiety. You're just shy. Um... But those are real things. Like People do go through stressful situations whenever they encounter new people. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know how they should act. Um, That happens to me a lot. I walk into a room of usually people older than me, sometimes people younger than me. It's like I react the same way when I walk into a room of two- and three-year-olds as I do a room of 60-year-olds. I'm just like, hi, my name's Anthony. I like going outside and stuff. That's about it. Because I can't talk to a little kid about uh, going off roading or hiking or cameras, and old people would want to talk to me about film. Uh, yeah. Some other things you might have issues with stress is difficulty concentrating, irrational anger, not just anger, but like irrational anger. Like you're on your phone and you accidentally call the wrong person, and then your phone is no longer in your hand but across the room. Um, Or there are posters strategically placed on the walls in your room. Um, Yeah, or restlessness. That's another thing that might be something that you might be doing when dealing with stress. Restlessness is resting less, not being able to sleep. Um, Yeah, it's pretty explanatory. So what happens to your body, like... What's the physical chemical reaction happening? Your nervous system responds by releasing a flood of stress hormones. Um, that, that's basically adrenaline and cortisol. Most of us know what adrenaline, cortisol, is kind of the same thing. Um, which, get the body ready for an emergency action. Your heart pounds faster, your muscles tighten, your blood pressure rises, your breath quickens, and your senses become sharper. Now, if I'm being chased by a bear, I want all of those things to be happening. I want my senses to be sharper. I want to be able to move faster. I want to be able to think faster, quicker. Um, So that's kind of like what your body does. So whenever you feel your heart pounding, it's because your heart is actually pounding because you have adrenaline going through your body. It's kind of like an XP booster for your heart. Um, The same thing happens whenever you drink a monster energy drink or something like that. Um, So if you ever drink a monster energy drink and then have like an anxiety attack... Your heart is like gonna beat out of your chest. And it's really bad for you because whenever your heart is overworked like that too much, it's actually like straining your heart. Um, your heart can actually break, like not like heartbroken because someone told you you were ugly, but like your heart could just stop, like just die. Um, and like your, your veins and your arteries, like there's only so much that they can handle. It's like when you take a balloon and you overfill a balloon and the balloon explodes. That's kind of like what might happen to your arteries. That doesn't happen a lot, but I hope that kind of gives you a a picture of what happens to your body when you're going through stress. Some other things are, like we said, loss of appetite, muscle tension, headaches, insomnia. A constant state of stress can also lead to clinical depression. So a lot of our issues with stress are directly tied to depression or clinical depression. You're also at risk for diabetes, high blood pressure, and heart disease. Like, those are some some things to worry about while you're worrying. So I've just told you all of the things that your body is doing while you're stressing out. When I read that, I was like, now when I stress out, I'm going to think about these things. I'm going to stress out more because I'm stressing out. I'm going to stress out about my stressing out. Yeah. So I just gave you another thing to worry about. Um... So if you don't have anxiety or stress now, you might after knowing all of this. Um, and like dealing with stress, like sometimes you hear like someone will say, "Oh, I'm having a really hard day. Like I'm stressing out." Someone says, "Oh, be anxious for nothing," and you're like, "Thanks." Now I'm not anxious anymore. Miraculous. It's a miracle, right? Just just if you tell someone like, "Hey, stop crying," do they stop crying? No. Uh, so, I went ahead and I took a look at what the world's telling us to do. So, like, if you went to a doctor and you went to, like, a psychiatrist or a therapist or whatever, and you're like, I'm dealing with stress, these are some of the things they might tell you. These are some of the, like, the practical steps that um, they can help you with. And these things, they're, they are true. They're, they are things that actually can help you. Okay. Oh, sorry. I saw a face, and I got scared. Um, so some of the things are taking a time out. Like, okay, I'm freaking out. I'm going to go take a time. I'm just going to take a chill pill, take a breather. Um, eating well-balanced meals, limiting your alcohol and your caffeine intake. Because those can, uh, they aggravate anxiety, and they can trigger pan- panic attacks. Uh, so that's another reason not to drink alcohol. Um, and I know you guys are in high school, and that is something you can have access to. Um, I was in high school once, too. So that's another reason not to drink alcohol. So if you find yourself, I'm freaking out every Sunday morning after I've been doing things with my friends on Saturday night. There might be, a, there might be some connections there. Um, exercising daily, getting enough sleep, um, taking deep breaths. So all of these things the world just lists, those are... Those are great. Those are helpful. But that's like painting a house that doesn't have any drywall. Like That's painting a house that's not livable. It's like the whole inside of the house has been gutted. There's no plumbing. There's no doors. There's just studs on the wall. And that's about it. It's like painting the house. Like, No, yeah, you're good. Go ahead. You've, you've increased the curb appeal of the house. You guys know what that means, curb appeal? It means like the value of the home just by looking at it. Um. yeah, so when the world tells us to do something, when the world gives us advice, that advice, it, it never truly gets to the root of the issue, all it does is address the symptoms, but it doesn't cause, it doesn't address the virus, it's like saying, oh you're having a cold, you're having a runny nose, you're shaky, well put on, put on, a, put on a jacket and blow your nose, and here, take this Take this thing that's going to dry out your nose, too. It's actually going to dry out, dehydrate your system so you don't have a runny nose anymore. Um, but none of those things, none of the things the world's going to give you is going to get to the root of the virus or get to the root of these, these weeds or something like that. Um, and even if I did just give you a list of things that, like, the doctor would tell you to do... Um, you're like me, you're either not going to remember that all of these things that you're supposed to do when you're being stressed out, you're just so focused on the situation that's happening that you forget you don't even realize you're stressing out half the time. That you're like you're panicking, you're pulling the hair out of your head until somebody tells you, hey stop stressing out. You're like, oh shoot, I'm stressing out. And now you're worried about stressing out. Um, And a lot of times that can make situations worse. So but here's the, here's the reason why we're here, why we're sitting in church, and why I'm talking to you, is because we want to know what the Bible has to say about this. Um, and I think we know that the results of worry are negative, and they provide no help for the situation. Um, in Proverbs twelve twenty five, if you guys want to take notes, I'm going to be listing off a bunch of Bible verses, and you don't have to write down the entire verse, you can just write down... The verse reference, and I'm going to be kind of talking through some of these verses. So Proverbs twelve twenty five. It's worry weighs a person down, and an encouraging word cheers a person up. That's just kind of like obvious. Yes, worry makes us slow. Um, But if you know that somebody who's worrying, one of the best things that you can do is not say, "Oh, hey, stop, stop worrying." Don't don't tell someone to stop what they're doing, but rather give them encouraging. Uh, Be happy, be positive, try to give them something that they can like have some sort of hope. And a lot of these verses we're going to be going through, those verses are kind of those words of hope. Um, Job, we all know about Job. Job was was probably the guy who had to deal with the most in the Bible. Like he's the reason why his books in the Bible is because um, God literally allowed Satan to do whatever he wanted with him as long as he didn't kill him. So Job said, If my miseries could be weighed and my troubles be put on the scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. That's why I spoke impulsively. So Job, we have an understanding of what it feels like to be stressed out. And Matthew 6 verse 27 says, Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? So I want to ask you a question. Because I'm really curious, has anyone here ever worried so much that the situation fixed itself? Like, have you ever like spent so much time worrying about something, being stressed out, that the situation, because of your worrying, because of you being freaked out or panicking, it got fixed? No, has it? You say yeah? Okay. You don't know what? Okay. Huh? So if you do about it. Well, yes, if you do something about it. But if you just sit there going, "I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die," huh? Yeah. Uh, but you can't, you can't accomplish anything by sitting and worrying. Um, there's another verse that says, "Can can anyone add an inch to his height by worrying about how short he is?" So if we could, if we could, I think Ben Corson was saying it. Or Ben Corson might have said that somebody else said it. But if people were able to grow an inch, were able to get taller by every time they worried, people would be 23 feet tall. Um, And all worry does is waste time. Whenever you worry, whenever you're stuck inside of your head and you're you're being so concerned about a situation that you become immobilized and you're no longer acting anymore, but you're sitting, you're almost paralyzed by this fear, by this stress... Uh, you're wasting time, and time is precious. Uh, you're actually taking away from your life. Uh, so instead of worry, here's, just consider the proper response. Like, what's the right way to deal with worry or to deal with stress? First Peter um, 5, verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. So whenever you're worried, whenever you're stressed... Go before God. Take it. Don't just sit there and panic, but go before God. Be like, God, I can't handle this anymore. Help me. And the amazing thing is sometimes we feel like God's obligated to love us. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. But I catch myself acting as if God's supposed to love me. Like the Bible says he loves me, so he has to. But he does love us, but he doesn't have to love us. But the amazing thing is God likes you. Like, he wants to spend time with you. So like, talk to him. Like, None of us have kids. Do you guys have kids? No. Okay. I don't know. What? Uh, so none of us here have kids. So we don't understand the feeling of a father's love for a child. But if you're able to go inside one of the the children's ministry classrooms and if you ever see a kid or you remember yourself being so excited to see your parent after a long day of Sunday school, that feeling when they go, Dad, and they run to you. Um, God God does that to us in the morning. Like he goes, yes, you're up. Finally, let's go. Come on. What do you have to say? I've been, like, talking to you in your dreams, but, like, come on, I want to hear you say something now. Come on, let's go. Like, you haven't talked to me since dinner whenever you prayed. Let's talk. Let's do something. He's so excited. Like, he, he longs for you. Like, it's supposed to be the other way around. Like, we're supposed to long for God, but most of the time, like, it's him bothering us to talk to him. So talk to God. Like, pray. And praying is just talking to God. You Talk to God just how you would talk to your best friend or your parent. Um, Philippians four six through seven says, "Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything." So if you think that you're a worry wart or a you have anxiety or you find that you're stressed out all the time, um, Ben Corson said, "Turn your turn your cares into prayers." So most of the time when somebody says, "Oh, I have trouble worrying," I say, "You're supposed to be a prayer warrior." The reason why you keep coming up with all of these things to consume your mind with, the reason why you're freaking out about everything, is because you need to be praying about that. God's, God's given you the mindset to be thinking and praying for people, but you're, you don't know how to do it yet. So, I don't know, write, get like a sticky notes and write pray on them. Put them on your hand, take Sharpie, write pray on the back of your hand or something like that. So whenever you see that, you know, pray. I got to pray. Just pray for whatever's going on. Just pray for whatever's in front of you. Pray whatever you're thinking about. Tell God what you need. This is still in Philippians. Thank him for all that he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Jesus Christ. God's peace is... Unexplainable, But it's amazing. And if you ask God for it, he's going to give it to you. If you ask God, I need peace right now. I just want to be still. I don't want to be in your presence. And now you can still be in God's peace and be doing your homework. You can be in God's peace and driving a car. You can be in God's peace and be in the middle of sports practice. Um, yeah. So Isaiah 41, verse 10 through 13 says, Don't be afraid. For I am with you. Like isn't that cool? Like God's with us, the Creator of the universe, the guy who holds everything together. Like scientists, they look at the atom and they don't understand how it holds itself together. They just call it atomic glue. That atomic glue is God. He's literally holding the entire world together. So if you think about that, and you know, like you can just. Think, just go out from that and just know that God's holding that, so he's holding everything else together. But know that he's got your best interest in mind, and he wants, you to, he wants to keep you safe. So don't be discouraged, this is still in Isaiah. Uh, For I am with you, I will strengthen you, and I will help you. That's God telling you, I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Because God's already won. Like, everything that we're dealing with is just like dust and wind. It's just, it's going to be meaningless soon. Uh, but like, trust in the fact that God's got you. God's, God's taking care of this situation. See, all your angry enemies lie there confused and humiliated. Any, anyone who opposes you will die. Think about that. Sometimes that's not the best thing to want for somebody. Like, you're my enemy. I want you to die. But God's telling you, love your enemy, but also know that I'm going to humiliate and confuse your enemies. And most of the time, your enemies right now, while you're in high school, they're not really your enemy. They're just someone who you don't get along with. Um, But some of you do have actual enemies. Can, it, can somebody tell me who our greatest enemy is? Like, can we say that in church? Can we say Satan in church? What? What? <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. It's the one verse. And the verse ends with saying, don't be afraid, I am here to help you. God's telling you that. God's saying, don't be afraid. I know you're afraid right now, but I'm here to help you. Just trust me. Um, Philippians 4.8 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. So a lot of the times our stress or our anxiety comes from situations that aren't rooted in too much of reality. We're worried about ninjas abducting our family. Most of our families are not that important to be abducted by ninjas. Uh, but focus on truth. So take your thoughts, like you can grab your thoughts, right? You can physically grab your thoughts. Heres are like not responding at all. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's okay. Alina's making faces at me. Yeah, what? What did you say?:. Oh, yeah, it's just grabbing a chair when there's chairs. Sorry. Okay. Uh, this, this verse. I'll read the entire verse, and we're going to go back over through it. Uh, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Okay, so fix your thoughts on what's true. What's true? Can you tell me what's true? Just raise your hand if you know what's true. Rance. Say that louder. Jesus is what? Jesus is our Savior. So is there anything else that's true? The Word. But Jesus is the Word. He's the Word made flesh. So... Focus on what's true. Whenever you find that you're dealing with stress and you recognize that you're in a stressful situation, open up the Word of God. Go to what's true. This is the truth. This is the one thing that you can count on. Um, Focus on that. Focus on honorable. So you look at the truth. You want to know what's the truth? Read the Gospels. The Gospels have the truth in it. You want to know what's honorable and you want to know what's right? Read Acts and read Romans because that's the story of the guy's who were living it out. That was the start of the church. Um, whatever is lovely and whatever is admirable, think about these things. Whatever is lovely and admirable, that's the Psalms and the Proverbs, it's poetry and wisdom. Um, think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Um, try to think about things that you would be okay saying out loud. Because sometimes we can allow our thoughts to run wild. And if you wouldn't be okay saying it out loud, not just to your best friends, but like at home, you probably shouldn't be thinking that way. And then 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, um, God has not given us a spirit of fear um, and being timid, but of power and love and self-discipline. so anytime you're feeling afraid, recognize that that fear is your flesh. Because that's not from God. Didn't, God never goes, I want you to be terrified right now. God will never do that. God will put you in situations where you are afraid, but he's, he, that's not his, his goal. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He wants you to run to him. But we got to know that what God has given us is power and love. It's like his powerful love. And that's, that's forgiveness. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's being, that's being patient. That's being kind. That's loving one another. That's being selfless. That's being patient. Um, and sometimes we stress about God's significant um, resources for our every concern. Sometimes we stress out about things that God's providing for us. And we have to recognize that God is in this. Okay, I've... Is God good? Yes, God is good. What is it? All the time? All the time? God is good. I never could get that. I don't know why. Uh, but God is good. Do you believe that God is in everything? Do you, do you not Does anybody like not believe that God's in everything? Do you feel like there's something that God's not a part of? Huh? Sin? Yeah. But, Yeah. He's not not part of sin, that's totally opposite. Uh, So, God is in every situation, right? Do we know that? Yeah, God's in every situation. And do we know that God is good? Yes. So, if God is in this, and God is good, he must be up to something, and that something that he is up to is good. So, God is, when you're going through a trial, whenever you're going through a stressful situation, try to remember this. God is good, God is up to something, and he is up to something good. And God is in this. Um, And that's something you can tell your friends. Your friends like. Just pouring their heart out. About just just terrible things that are happening in their life. And you can tell them. God is in this situation. It doesn't seem like it. But he is up to something. And what he is up to is good. Because he is good. Um, I don't know if any of you have played sports. Some of you have. But. In football, there's this thing called Hell Week. I'm saying... What? The Navy SEAL trainings, they do it too. Football adopted it from them. It's not as intense as the Navy SEALs. But in Hell Week, you're doing things in Hell Week, and you're doing up-downs. Do you guys know what up-downs are? Yeah, so you all know it. If, does anyone not know what an up-down is? Okay. Can somebody... Uh, you guys know that up-down is a terrible thing that football coaches make you do. Um, when you're doing up-downs for hours, hours, because some idiot on your team left their mouth guard at home, so you're doing up-downs for hours. Um, you're looking at that situation, and you're like, nothing good can come from this. We're not practicing play, plays, we're not running drills, we're not doing anything, we're not even hitting each other. Like, nothing good can come from this. Whenever you get to your first game and you're running around and it's the fourth quarter and you're not tired, you can look back and go, oh, yeah, it's because we did up-downs for an hour. It's because we ran suicides like there was no tomorrow. Like, we ran suicides until I wanted to kill myself. Because of those terrible, terrible things that I did that were no fun while they're doing it, I am now able to get to the fourth quarter of this game. Life is the same way. We go through terrible, terrible things that make no sense early on. But if we did not go through those terrible things we were going on, the situation we're facing today, we would not be able to get through We would not have the knowledge. And a lot of the times, whenever we go through things like that, God, God does that in 2 Corinthians 1, through 3-7 says, Find your comfort in Christ for you to go then and comfort someone else. So you have an obligation now. To go help somebody else who has been suffering through the same thing. So, if you're ever wondering, what do I do with my life? Try to find someone younger than you and try to invest in them. Try to find ways that you can relate your past to their present. Um, that was a tangent, sorry. I lost my place. There we go. Um, So whenever you're dealing with stress, and a lot of more of the answers on how to deal with stress are going to come in these next two questions. But look at the way David responds to stress. David is literally being hunted, like people are trying to kill him. He's got an army of men after him. He's, he's like stealing bread from the temple, and he's hiding in caves. Um, Hopefully we can't relate to that, but we can look at how he responds to those situations and we can kind of like try to do the same thing. David, he cried out to God. He he was like, God, help me. I can't do this. We read one of his things earlier, but he recognized that he was, he was unable to solve the situation. He recognized that he was powerless, that God had all the power. And then he wrote praises about God. So whenever you're dealing with stress, turn on worship music. Do on something that's going to get your heart right, that's going to get your heart back into gear, because a lot of the times... um, I'll say that for later. A lot of our issues are caused because we take our eyes off Christ. We become worried about things that we don't need to be worried about. Um, Yeah. Oh, I skipped something earlier. Whenever you're dealing with stress and... If you've taken it, if you're if you got if you're a straight A student, who here is a straight A student? Really? Yeah. I believe it. Um, so if you're a straight A student, um, is it because you're is it because you're stressed out all the time? Are you are you a straight A student because you're stressed out all the time? Yeah. Okay. That kind of stress, like the stress to get good grades. That's okay as long as that stress causes you to do something. But if you're so stressed out that you're sitting there and you're like, I can't do my homework because I'm stressed out. There's just too much to do. That's whenever stress has a hold of you and it's not a good thing anymore. But if you have not studied at all and you haven't taken any notes in class and you haven't been paying attention and there's a big final the next day and you're stressing out, that is a perfectly okay time to stress out. As long as it causes you that boost of adrenaline, that sharpened focus that we talked about earlier that happens to you, as long as you take that and you apply that to actually doing some studying so you don't have a complete failure, that's okay. Don't don't think that I'm stressing out, but I'm still doing work, but I'm stressing out. Don't think that. Just try to repurpose that thought and realize that I'm stressing out but now I have the energy and the focus to do it. I have the motivation to do what I'm supposed to have been done. Um, so with that, talking about school and stuff um, does, that, does that help you at all with stress? Did that help nobody? Did, any, was, did anybody was like, that did not help me at all? I'm stressed out more than I ever was. Is that anybody? Because if you do, please tell me. If not, okay, good. I did not fail. Okay. No, I don't care. I can see you guys. I can see every single one of you who's on your phones. No, I know, but there's other kids on their phones. And, like, we don't realize that, like, sitting down, you're like, they don't see me. We see you. Like, Aaron sees you all the time. Who's ever teaching, like... Your teacher at school, like even at the Bible college when you're in an auditorium of like a hundred of kids, if you stand on the stage, you're like, oh yeah, they're on their phone, they're on the phone, they're talking to their girlfriend, they're talking to their friends, they're sleeping. You can see it. Up here, you have a vantage point of everything. Um, and I'm not getting on your case because I do it all the time. I'll sit there, be on my phone, and I can listen sometimes, not all the time. Um, okay, so good. I, I'm glad you guys know this. So the next two questions, they're they're two questions about school. I kind of lumped them together um, just because I kind of felt like the way I was supposed to answer them kind of flowed together. How am I doing on time? Did I talk too long the first time? Huh? 30 minutes? It's 12? What time do you guys normally get out? 12.15? Okay, cool. That's great. Fantastic. Okay. So how to be a Christian outside church walls and how to keep the faith. So whenever we say keep the faith, this is something that we hear all the time. We hear it in the big sanctuary. Aaron might be saying it. Um, but I remember when I was in high school, I was like, keep the faith. What the heck does that mean? Like, is the faith something that I can hold and drop and forget? Or is it like this inhabitant object that I have to like pretend to hold? Um, and that really bothers me sometimes. We're like, Oh, you just got to keep the faith. I'm like, what does that mean? How do I keep the faith? Do I have to wear special gloves? Do I have to wear special goggles? Um, we probably don't think that way. Um, so let's have a better understanding of what it means to keep the faith. It's a phrase that we use all the time. And I actually don't like the phrase keep the faith because it emphasizes it's something that you can lose. Like You can lose your faith. Because um, it's not, it's not a, a matter of losing it. It's a matter of Um, choosing to abandon it. But Hebrews 11 verse 1 kind of gives us the definition of what faith is. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So whenever somebody says faith, that's like your belief in Jesus Christ. That's like your surety in it. That's not like, I think Jesus was real. It's like, no, I know for a fact that Jesus was real. I don't need any other proof, but I, have, I believe it. That's my faith. Like I have faith in this chair that it's not going to collapse. It's happened before, but I still trust this chair. Um, it's, our faith is our belief in Jesus Christ on the cross. So when somebody says, keep your faith, they're talking about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why I don't like the phrase, keep the faith. Um, it's a cool thing to say. It's a really easy thing to remember. It's something you can say to an old person. Like, oh, I'm just trying to keep the faith. Um, but it's not about keeping the faith. It's about pursuing your relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, you always have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But it's a whether or not, like, you know him as much as he knows you. It's about keeping the faith is all about growing and walking with God. Uh, But this is specifically addressed to to how do I do it in high school? So how do I continue to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ in high school? And then what happens whenever I get to school and I feel like I'm in a totally different world? Well, simply put, you are in a totally different world. High school in itself is this really bizarre, just fish tank of weirdness. Um, And then you go from like... Elementary school is like a fishbowl you'd have in your house. Junior high is a little bit bigger fishbowl, and then high school is like kind of like an aquarium. And then whenever you get out of high school and you go to college, you're kind of like in that like, um, like prepared to be released phase. And then once you're out in the world, it's the ocean and it's terrifying because the government. Um, so we want we want to look at. So whenever you whoever asked that question that said. Um, sometimes I get excited about following Jesus but whenever I get to school all that excitement disappears it's like getting pulled into a totally separate world it's because you are and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit real fast so I want to okay What's the very first... I'll tell you what I do. First thing in the morning that I normally do on a normal day is I either... I don't even pick my head off the pillow. I usually grab my phone and I'm looking at Instagram or watching a YouTube video. That is not the right thing to be doing. That is a terrible way to start your day because you are turning... Unless you only watch Christian YouTubers, and there's like three of them. Two of them are good. Um, There's a lot of Mormon YouTubers, but they're no better. Um... But if the first thing you're turning to in the morning is someone who's just as lost as you are, who's just as in, in bondage to sin as you are, how do you think the rest of your day is going to be if that's the first thing you're putting into your brain? If you open up and you're looking through Instagram, you're not even on the people you follow. You're looking through like the explore page. So that literally anything can pop up and you haven't even taken your head off the pillow. You haven't even thought about what you're going to eat. You haven't even gotten clothes on yet but you're looking at the world and it's just pouring into your brain. Now, phones are good. Instagram's great. I'm not bagging on that. But just know that they do have an effect on you more than you realize. So in the mornings, whenever you wake up, I would just, is it, what do you guys normally look at? Like who you're actually like, turns on their phone and reads the Bible first thing in the morning. No one does it. How cool, like how, just think about this, how different would your day be if that was the first thing you did? You open up your phone and you're reading Proverbs. Like, just wisdom is the first thing, you and then you're thinking about that all day. Maybe you're listening to worship music. What that's doing is it's like resetting the alignment on a car, or it's getting you, your sights focused in, like when you're shooting a gun or something. You're, you're fixing your focus on God before you even get out of bed. Um. So how long does it take for you guys to get to school? Thirty minutes? Fifteen? Ten? It takes five seconds. Five seconds? Do you like live at school? Yeah. Are you homeschooled? Yeah. It's a oh. popular kid. You're are you the what? He's a popular kid at school. You're the most popular kid at school. Your teachers must love you. I actually like you <laughs> and well that's because it's your mom. And you're <laughs> yes. and you're a disobedient child. Um, Okay, so who here goes to class school and takes the train? Cool. All right. I took the train. And I'm, I'm going to kind of just tell you some of the things that I was doing at high school that kind of helped, helped me keep the faith or helped me maintain that Christian walk. And, um, I'm not saying it's the perfect way. I'm not telling you this is the way you have to do it. But this is what I would do. In the mornings when I'd get on the train, I not all the time. On good days, I'd be listening to worship music. um, And if you don't know who to listen to for worship music, look up Leland. Leland's great. I love Leland. They're my favorite. They're old, but they're good. Um, John Mark McMillan's good. Um, Phil Wickham, Evan Wickham, those guys are good. So listen to something. And then if you're on the train, how many of you actually read your Bible on the train? Trevor does. Sometimes. Trevor yeah, Trevor's different yeah, but then you're talking. but how cool like like does this sound cool to you guys to have like a Bible study in the mornings on the train? like you get on the train and you're sitting there in your little four square cubby and you're like talking about the word. Like, do you think that's going to have an improvement on your day? Because most of the time when I got on the train, some of the worst things happened within the first 15 minutes of that train ride. Whether it's a crazy person on the train, or it's just the random stupid thing your friend's saying. So those are some of the things that are, you can think about. Reading your Bible on the train. You have like 30 minutes. That's more than like most people have to get to school. Like, you, you, you can read the Bible and you can pray and you can have a conversation in that amount of time. Um... And when it comes to school, this is kind of scrambled, sorry. When it comes to school, I think some of you might have heard this before, but you're, there's thermostats and there's thermometers. Have you guys heard that analogy before? No? Okay. Trevor, you, I told you. I told you and Avery. Oh, okay. Because you, you know everyone else's thoughts? God. It's weird. It's creepy. I don't. Okay. So there's thermostats and there's thermometers. This is like, I'm just giving you like little nuggets of just things to focus on. Thermostats, who knows what a thermometer does? Does. What does a thermometer do? Because you raised your hand. Okay. Who else raised your hand? Okay, I don't know you. What's your name? Jackson. Jackson, cool. All okay, right, what does a thermometer do? The what? It takes your temperature. It tells the temperature, right? Like, how hot is it? Let me check the temperature. Let me... We don't have thermometers anymore. We check our phones. But it tells us the temperature. The temperature, the thermometer, adjusts to the temperature of the room. It indicates the level of heat in the room. Now, what does a thermostat do? It controls. It, controls. it adjusts. If you turn the thermostat up, what happens? the room gets hotter. If you turn the thermostat down, what happens? The room gets colder. Now, you as a Christian, whenever you're in high school, most of the time, we find that we're thermometers. We rise and fall to the spiritual temperature of the room. What happens is, whatever everyone else is okay with talking about, so are we. If they're okay with talking about this just disgusting thing, and I say disgusting, it's like profane or a video you must have watched, or music. If they're okay with that, you're okay with that. We lack conviction when it comes to that. You know what, you know what conviction means? Conviction means like, I'm not going to drink alcohol. So even if I can, I'm not going to drink it. Okay? Like, no, if it's free, I'm not going to drink it. It's not like I don't like to. I'm just, it's a conviction. I'm not going to do it. Um, so you have your own convictions. Um, I have a conviction about ketchup. I will not eat ketchup, no matter what. Occasionally on a hot dog, but that's about it. I, cho- I won't choose to put it on anything. All right. We have a lot of convictions about food. Some of you might have convictions about gluten or dairy. Whatever it may be, those are like your convictions, things that you will not do. Where'd my sister go? That doesn't matter. She doesn't need to hear this. Um, she does, but she hears it enough from me all the time. So that's what a thermometer does. Thermometer rises and falls to the temperature of the room. Most of the time, that's us. Whatever they're okay with talking about. So if they're talking about like, the lowest thing that you would not be okay with an adult hearing you talk about, or like your parent, or a teacher, or one of your counselors, or any of your other friends, if you're doing that, you lack conviction in your thermometer. But if somebody else walks in the room and they're like, oh man, I love Jesus. You're like, I love Jesus too. Yeah. God and stuff. Did you read your Bible? Yeah. I forgot what it was, but yeah. Um, That's a thermometer because one second ago you were just just giving into your flesh, doing whatever you wanted to do, but now you're talking about God as if that never happened. So that's what thermometers do. Most of the time that's us. I want to challenge you guys. Um, is If you, if you want to take your walk with God seriously in high school, if, if you want to uh, not get pulled down, know that you need to have convictions. You need to be a thermostat. Whenever you walk into the room, people should know that they can't talk about those things around you. Not because you're going around going, oh, hey, don't talk about that. It's because you won't talk about it. It's because you're not going to cuss. It's because you're not going to mention A video. You're not going to talk about a girl or a guy in a way that you shouldn't be talking about them. Um, Whenever, 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 if you're around people who are drinking or if they're smoking, um, you leave. Like, you don't just say, refuse it. That's whenever you leave. Those are the situations where you leave. You don't sit there and you don't try to go, oh, it's okay. As long as I don't do it, it's okay. Like, no, you leave. I have verses for that. How about that? So do you get, does that make more sense about them being a thermostat or being a thermometer? Like the thermostat, whenever you walk into the room, when the thermostat enters the room, the spiritual temperature of the room automatically rises. Your friends should know that you don't like to cuss. There's, and you shouldn't be cussing. You do. God still loves you. Just try not to. Because that's, that's, that's going to help you not cuss, right? Just me telling you not to cuss is going to cause you to stop cussing. Um, um, so, yeah. So your friends should know that you're different because of these things. You should strive to be a thermostat. Uh, people should know that you're going to talk about God. People should know that you're going to ask them how they're doing. It's not just being like a, a killjoy it's you, you want to get to the point where, wherever you walk into the room, that people are excited to see you and they know that they're not going to be able to talk about those things around you, but you're still going to be, have just as good of a time because the rules the Bible has, they're not there to take the fun out of everything. The Bible is actually, if you look at the Bible as a rule book, look at it as the rules on how to have the most fun in life. Like God wants you to have a good time. God doesn't want you to have a bummer life. Uh, But one of the most important things that you can do is be picky with your friends. Um, Friends are like an investment. I can tell you this as someone who's graduated high school and who still has the same group of friends they had sophomore year. um, They were fun. But now we're at the age where illegal things like drinking is not illegal for most of us and drugs are now much more easily accessible to us. I didn't think about that whenever I was their age. They talked about it. They were like, "Oh yeah, well, I can't wait till I can do that, or I'm going to try to do that, or like, where do we, where do we buy drugs and stuff like that?" Um, I didn't realize that once we got older and once we had cars and things like that, that would just become their go-to. And I was like, "I'm out of friends now. I can no longer hang out with these guys." It's not even that like I don't want it. I don't want to be around that, but now. I can't talk about them with anything because I've, I've spent a year at Bible college. I'm spending my weekends at church helping in children's ministry. I can no longer talk to these people about the same things. I can still have fun with them, but at the cost of my own, my own convictions and my own, my own walk with God. I'm not saying you don't be friends with those people. You still be friends with those people, but find people that are gonna. Be interested in the same things you are. Not just like if you're interested in cars or sports or whatever. I don't know what you guys are interested in anymore. I feel really old. Um, and I'm not that old. But... Find, find, look for people. Take time. Invest in somebody. Maybe it's a younger classman. But find somebody who you know is going to be there for you when you're, whenever you're going through a hard time and that you can be there for them and that you can be a light to them and that they're going to be a light to you. They may not be the funnest person. They might be a total dork. I had a friend... Um, do you guys remember Kobe Schanzenbach? <laughs> yeah. This guy... like Me and him were like best friends in junior high. But I picked on him because he was a dork and I was a big bully to him. But I, later I realized that we were we were going to be really good friends. And it wasn't because... We had any of the same interests it's because we both loved God. That was that was our bond was the fact that we loved God. Um, he was smarter than me, so we couldn't talk about school. He was um, he had better manners than me. He was better at singing and stuff like that. Um, he's better at basketball. Um, I was better at football, but that wasn't like that's not something to be have pride about. Oh, yeah, I'm really good at just being a brute. In life, that doesn't get you anywhere. Um, but it's, have you guys heard the phrase, birds of a feather flock together? Yeah. Who doesn't know what that means? Just raise your hand. If you don't know what that means, do you do not know? Oh, okay. Birds of a feather flock together. Do you ever see a seagull hanging out with a chicken? No. If you have chickens, maybe. If you have chickens and you live at the beach, that might be a thing, but I don't know. Um, so, chickens they cluster together. Ravens will fly together. The swallows they'll fly together. Seagulls kind of stay together. Um, so that's what I mean. Birds of a feather flock together. People will look at you and your friends, and if your friend is is caught drinking and they're they got busted and they've got in trouble with the law. Because you hang out with them, people are going to look at you and assume you're just like them. So that's another thing that be think about with your friends is like, kind of like, does this person making me look bad? Because it's not matter if I'm looking bad, but like, just be aware that people are going to assume the same thing that they assume about your friends as they are going to assume about you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things um, because, I was talking about a thing, but the, the main thing that you want to focus on is bad company corrupts good character. It's not good company, good company makes you better, it's bad company corrupts good character. There's an analogy of a guy standing on a stage, and there's a, there's a guy at the bottom of the stage, and there's a guy at the top of the stage. The guy on top of the stage will not be able to pull the other guy up with one arm. But the guy who's standing on the ground can pull the other guy down. That's just the way it is all the time. Is most of the time you're going to get pulled down by your worldly friends, and you're not going to be able to pull them up. Sometimes that's the way it works. I have a friend who was uh, who wasn't a Christian, but he was hanging out with me and my buddy Alan, and he was like, "You guys are different. Like, what is it? Like, what makes you guys different?" Like, oh, it's Jesus. Like, that's why we're different. But Kyle had, he had good character. But other friends were introduced into the group and now Kyle is no longer walking with God. He was interested in it. He did it. But because of the friends that he chose, the friends that he allowed in his life, he's, he doesn't care about God anymore. Um, try to figure out how to end this. The last question, I'm skipping the rest of that. Prayer is super important. Listening to worship music, spending time in the word. Limiting the amount of music that you listen to. If you wouldn't listen to it out loud, you probably shouldn't be listening to it. Like, it's amazing. Sometimes we like listen to music and someone's like, What are you listening to? Nothing. I wasn't listening to that. They weren't swearing and talking about women in degrading ways. Um, I don't know what you guys listen to at all either. Like, I'm not up on the musicians. Justin Bieber, just stop listening to Justin Bieber and whoever else he listens to. Um, not saying that all music's terrible, but. You can choose to invest your time better. And the last question we want to focus on, really simple answer. This is a terrible way to end it, but we're running out of time. I didn't think I would go this far. Okay, when God doesn't seem to answer, so you're praying and you don't feel like God's answering you, even though you're praying, you're spending time in prayer. Sometimes it's like a Lego set. Like, who played with Legos? Like, we all played with Legos. If you skip, to the last page and you're like I want to do that so you just go a couple pages back you're not going to know what to do because you haven't done the steps earlier like I was saying earlier about when I was talking about how we can going things going through things when you're young and then being equipped in the future sometimes God he gives us things to do whenever we pray and we're like yeah that's great God but I want to do this like At Bible College, you're like, God, I want to be a pastor, because that's what everybody at Bible college wants to do. They either want to be a pastor, a missionary, or a worship leader. That's all there is. You won't find somebody who's there, but yeah, I want to be a biologist. So I'm here at Bible College. Um so yeah, so whenever you pray about something and you're asking God for something, you're like you're you're trying to get an answer. Um there's two things. It's either you haven't. It's really just one thing. You haven't done what God's already told you to do. You're you're trying to skip to step five when you haven't taken care of step two. It's like building a, it's like building a house without laying down the foundation. God's trying to get you to lay the foundation out for this house He's trying to build with you. But if you build the house, we know the other thing: the house built on sand falls down. So whenever we try to skip steps that God's given to us, we're not. We're not going to, he's like, no, I already told you. You're like, God, what am I supposed to do? What's your calling for my life? He's telling you, live pure and be sanctified right now. Be diligent in the work you have before you. Don't worry about college if you still haven't finished your schoolwork in high school. Don't worry about your job if you haven't taken care of your chores at home. So it's, it's a process. God wants you to grow and you can't grow by skipping steps. Um, the other thing is you might have sin that he's asked you to take care of. You're struggling with this. One thing, whenever a pastors or someone teaches and says, the one thing, we all think, the thing, no one's supposed to know about that thing. Your secret sin. God's telling you to take care of that, to get that out. Because he goes, I can't continue to work in you with that there. That, that can't be there, and I can't be there in the same spot. Like, there's no room for two people in you it's me or it's that so when god doesn't seem to answer it's because he's already answered you and he's already, he answers us in three ways there's three ways god answers us he says yes he says no and he says wait so sometimes it's wait you might be asking god god is she the one for me am i supposed to go out with her is she my wife is that my husband god's like chill wait a second and you're like, God, you're not answering me. He goes, I did? I told you to wait. Wait five years. You're like a freshman. You're thinking about your husband and your wife. You are insane. There happens to like four people. That happened to like the Wickhams and nobody else. Um, and Scotty and Amanda. But that doesn't matter. And Trevor and Lena. Whatever. Um, yeah. So those are the things that God answers you. He answers yes, no, and wait. And... He's usually given you something to do, and the reason why you can't get the next answer is because you haven't done the first step He's given you. Whether it's apologizing to somebody, forgiving somebody, those might be super simple. God might be saying, like, just forgive them. And you're like, but God, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you'll know once you forgive that person. Like, but I, I, I gotta know now. Now, because we're impatient and we're stupid. Yep, we're out of time. I think I'm really sorry. I went long. I never, I never thought I would go long. It was okay. Don't clap. Stop it.